Tonight we are talking about the ministry of angels, part two. Say part two. Part, part two. two. Amen. How did you enjoy last week on the ministry of angels? Amen. Great. Very cool. It's exciting stuff. You know, we talk much in the body of Christ about demons. Well, if a third of the angels fell and two-thirds of them didn't fall, shouldn't we be considering and talking about angels twice as much as we talk about demons? Right. Yes. Right? Yes. And so, the, the gift of discerning of spirits in the Bible in 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the nine gifts of the spirit. You've got tongues, interpretation of tongues and prophecy. Those are the vocal gifts. You've got the power gifts, the gifts of healing. The working of miracles and the gift of faith. They do something powerful. And then you have the three revelation gifts. You've got word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and discerning of spirits. Discerning of spirits is not discerning of demons, is it? It includes discerning of demons, but it's discerning of spirits. Angelic, demonic, human, God's spirit, right? So when we talk about the ministry of angels, this is not something weird or new agey. It is biblical. Say biblical. biblical. The Bible says in Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. The devil's ability to keep you defeated is directly in relation to his ability to keep you ignorant. Because all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. But they're accessed by faith. And faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So tonight we're going to go into the word of God for part two on the ministry of angels. We're going to touch on some things from last week and get a capsulization of last week and then launch from there. The ministry of angels, Hebrews 1.14 says, Are they not all, talking about angels, ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? Hebrews 1.14. The word angel is used 199 times in the Bible. Angels are revealed in three different forms in the Bible. They're supernatural beings. Isaiah 6, 1 through 4. They appear in the likeness of men. Hebrews 13.2 and Judges 13.2 and verse 26. And they also are invisible ministers. They minister, but you don't see them. Exodus 23.20 20 through 23 and Matthew 4.11. There are different kinds of angels in the Bible. I'm just going to name a few of them. There are messenger angels like Gabriel. There's warring angels like Michael. There's worship angels like Lucifer was in charge of worship in heaven. The tabrets went through his body in Isaiah 14. There's healing angels. They are released to go bring healing from the throne of God. There are protection angels. You might have been in a car accident and came out without a scratch, yet the car is totaled. And people say, how did you survive? And you and your humility as an unsafe person said, just lucky, I guess. I'm tough. <laughs> but somebody was praying for you and angels were released and it's only after you come to Christ do you realize ah, but for the grace of God there go on you've got provision angels that will go out and get provisions and they will literally bring you provision and feed you like Ezekiel, or like Elijah was fed when an angel appeared to him you have prosperity angels that will go out and they will help bring you prosperity. You have angels that will help you write. Writing angels, heralding angels, angels of new ideas and witty inventions. So we talked about the gifts of the Holy Ghost. Now we're talking about the angels that are gifts from God sent to us to work with us, to work for us, and to minister to us. The neglected ministry of angels is one of the missing links to walking, to walking in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. Remember, we're destroyed from lack of knowledge. Because we've rejected knowledge, because these things come by faith, we could miss it. So this is why we study these things. Hebrews 6 declares this. Let us go on unto perfection, not 
laying again a foundation of repentance and faith from dead water baptisms, the laying on of hands, and the resurrection of the dead. And this we will do if God permit. Wait a second. Are you telling me that there's something more than faith and repentance toward God? Faith toward God and repentance? More than the laying on of hands? There's more than water baptisms? There's more than the resurrection of the dead? You mean that's the elementary principles of the gospel? And we have been operating beneath the element. We've been babies sucking on the milk bottle. <clears throat> Hebrews 5.14 says, You should have your extra senses exercised to discern both good and evil. You should be eating meat and not just milk. How many want a steak tonight from the Lord? Some protein. And let's move on under perfection. Beyond the basics. Casting out devils, healing the sick, raising the dead. Basic Christian doctrines. Amen? Amen. Okay. Angels minister to us. They minister for us. And if we learn to cooperate with them, they'll minister with us. The Holy Spirit ministers to us. He ministers for us. And he'll minister with us. The helper, the paraclete, the one that comes alongside to help, ministers with us. He ministers to us when we need it. When we don't know what to pray for as we ought, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses and makes intercession for us. So he ministers to us, he ministers for us, and he ministers with us. The angels minister to us. Jesus, after he was tempted by the enemy, angels came and ministered to him. Right? Angels went out and ministered for him. And angels, I'll guarantee you, when Jesus was around, were ministering with him. Right? Okay. So, we learn to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. And great things happen. People get saved. You begin to witness the gospel. And dynamic things happen. When we begin to also cooperate with his angels that are sent to help us. To accomplish the work of salvation that are sent forth into the earth to minister for those who shall inherit salvation, we can learn to walk and cooperate with them and greater works will begin to happen. Jesus said, greater works will you do than these because I go to the Father. What did he do? He took the death, keys of death and hell away from the enemy, led captivity captive in his train, and he spilled his blood on the mercy seat in heaven. And he said, all power and authority is given unto you. Go forth in my name and preach the gospel unto every creature. And these signs will follow them who believe. In my name they'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And the disciples walked out the book of Acts. And it's written because they acted. Mm -hmm. Amen. The book of Acts is written because somebody acted. Yep. Right? Yep. Without God, we cannot. Without us, He will not. Without God, we cannot. We have to get connected. Jesus said, I never do anything of my own. I only do that which I see the Father do. The things the Father does, I do likewise. It's a mirror image that it might be done in earth as it is in heaven. When angels are ministering with you, this is what happens. The Holy Spirit will tell you what to do so you can cooperate with the angel that will go forth and do it. If he tells you to point at somebody in a service, you're thinking to yourself, well, that's strange. If you'll point, the angel will go and do what God has sent them to do. If you won't point, it doesn't happen. Because without us, he will not. Without him, we cannot. You see how we cooperate? People say, oh, well, if God wants it done, brother, it'll be done. You can't stop the will of God. God's will is that none perish, but all men come to repentance. Yes or no? Yes. That means everybody's going to heaven, then, isn't it? Oh, no. <laughs> well, wait a second. If God's will is automatically done, yet we know that it's not in that aspect, do you think that we play a part? Without God, we think that we play a part 
Without God, we can't ever win somebody to Christ. Without us, God doesn't win people to Christ because he's chosen to put this treasure in earthen vessels. You go forth into the world and preach the gospel. You go forth and lay hands on the sick. You go forth and cast out devils. You intercede in prayer and you pray that it might be done in earth as it is in heaven. Do you see our responsibility to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and also to cooperate at His direction with the angels? We will judge angels one day. Amen? And we will also stand before the beam of judgment seat of Christ to give an account for the deeds we did in the flesh. Amen? So we will judge angels for what they did, and we will be judged for the good deeds and those that we did bad, and also those that we failed to do. The sin of omission, something we omitted to do. James 4.17, to him who knows to do good and does not do it in him, it is sin. So let's Delve into the Word, because tonight we're going to find out four ways that we have been given in the Bible to activate angels. Say activation. Activation. Amen. We're going to learn how to activate angels tonight. Scripture says in Hebrews 1.13, don't neglect the ministry of angels. He says, how will we escape, chapter 2, verse 3, if we neglect so great a salvation? There's a ministry of angels in context in Hebrews 1 that goes into Hebrews 2 that if we neglect it, we're going to miss something with God. I'm not talking about salvation here, but it could affect somebody else's salvation. Amen. Activating angels. There are four ways that I know of in the Bible that we're going to talk about tonight that we can activate angels. How many want angels activated and deployed? The first way is prayer. Prayer will activate angels. And in Matthew chapter 26, Matthew chapter 26, verse 53, this is what the scriptures say. Jesus is on the cross. And his job is to give his life for the sins of the world, right? This is what he says to Peter when he's getting arrested. He says, Peter, put down the sword. You cut off the centurion's ear. Let me deal that poor guy. He's like, but Lord, they came to get you. Peter, I appreciate the fact that you guys are willing to die for me. You're a pretty powerful, you know, group of fishermen, tax collectors, got a bunch of Roman soldiers here. Peter, I appreciate your zeal, but don't you know that I can now pray to my father and he shall presently give me more than 12 legions of angels. Prayer will release angels. A legion is approximately 6,000, some 6,600, let's just say 6,000. 6,000 times 12 is 72,000 angels. And one angel in the scriptures killed 186,000 men one time. Do you think that Jesus was outmanned or the Roman soldiers were outmanned? <laughs> Do you remember when Elijah and Elisha were together and they were surrounded by an army? And Elijah's like, laid back, it's no big deal. Actually, it's Elisha and, and his servant, Gehazi. Yeah. Sorry. Gehazi. Yeah. And he says... Aren't you, aren't you, what are you so upset about? Well, don't you see the army? More are they that are with us than they are with them. So what do you, Lord, open his eyes that he may see what I see. And the Lord opened Gehazi's eyes. And he saw the chariots and the army of God that covered the mountain. And all of a sudden, Gehazi was a little more relaxed. You may think you're losing the battle. You may think the world is against you. 
But greater is he in you than he that's within the world. And God plus one is a majority. Because when he's with you, you've got the entire angelic host that he can release at any moment. At any moment. At any moment. So prayer is one of the ways that angels are activated, deployed, and released. Have you ever asked the Lord, Lord, would you send an angel? See, I could pray to the Father, and he will send me 12 legions of angels that are waiting in the wings if I just ask. But he knew he had a higher purpose. He had to go not just to the cross, but through it to the other side. Sometimes they're there at your disposal, but you've got to go through something. How many people have <laughs> shrunk back from a test? and not taken it before, and then later on in life you had to retake it again. You had to go through the same test with different people involved. Sometimes we call for the Lord to send the angels and to take the pressure off too soon. Jesus could have, but he didn't. And often we don't call for him to release his angels in our behalf when we could, because we've operated out of a lack of knowledge. But after tonight, we won't have a lack of knowledge anymore. We're going to get worded up. So, John chapter 5 says there was a healing angel sent to stir the waters, right? Samson's parents received an angel of miracles. His name was called Wondrous. And God released an angel of deliverance in Acts chapter 12, verses 3 through 15. When Peter was in prison, the angel came in and slapped him on the thigh and woke him up. And the chains fell off of him. What was that in response to? Prayer. Because people were praying in a house. God sent an angel to release Peter from prison. Your prayers are powerful to the point where they release <coughs> angels. Much prayer, much power, little prayer, little power, no prayer, no power. Prayer is powerful because it not just gets prayers answered, it also releases angels to come answer the prayers from the throne of God. The second way that you can activate angels, we experienced it tonight during worship. It's called the presence of God. And all these start with P. Presence, prayer, proclamation, and paying vows. Those are the four ways. Prayer, presence, the presence of God, proclamation, proclaiming the word of God, and paying vows or generous giving will move the release of angels. On Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, Prophet Phil Rich is coming in. Do you know why he moves people in these four areas? Because it releases the angels of God, and that's why so many miracles happen in his ministry. People think that ministers try to manipulate the congregation, and some do. But those that operate in creative miracles and the glory realm will move people in these four areas because they can't release from the pulpit what the congregation's unwilling to release from their seat. There has to be a cooperation with the word of God and the minister. And when you do that, miracles are unleashed over the place and angels begin to flow into the service. Because God is pleased when we pray, pray without ceasing, he's Please, when we worship and bring in his presence, if God's presence showed up, you don't think that there's not going to be angels present in the presence? Because they hang out in the throne of God. If God comes down to the earth from heaven, who shows up with him? The angels. So the presence of God, Isaiah 63, 9, Isaiah 63, 9, will release the presence of angels. And presence really means face here. So when you're in the presence of God, you're in the face of God. That means you've got his attention. That's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. Have you ever been walking through a crowd and you're like looking and you lock eyes with somebody? They're like looking at you crazy. They're like looking at you crazy. And you're like, why is he looking at me that way? But there's, there's, there's hundreds of people, but you got one who's got a bead on you. What do you do in that situation? You either ignore them and walk away, or you smile. We're at peace, right? Or it's wartime. Like, what are you looking at me for? Right? Okay, so when you lock eyes with somebody, your faces 
connect, you're in their presence, aren't you? You could be walking by somebody, they don't acknowledge you, you're really not in their presence. Could I get an audience with you? I need an audience. I need you to be undivided in your attention. Isn't it nice that we can get the face of God, the attention of God, an audience with God? When Adam and Eve walked in the garden of Eden in the cool of the day, the Lord God came down and walked with them. Didn't happen 24-7, but there was a time when he showed up and he walked with them and talked with them. Adam had the presence of God, the face of God, the attention of God Almighty. When you get somebody's face or attention in a good way and they have authority, you can get some things done, can't you? Remember the importunate widow in Luke 18? who went before the wicked judge continually, and finally he avenged her of her adversary, even though she feared not God nor regarded man, but because of her continual coming, lest he be wearied by her, he avenged her of her adversary. Jesus tells this parable, and then he said, when the Son of Man comes on the earth, will he find faith? Are you seeking the presence of God in prayer? Are you seeking the presence of God through worship and adoration and praise? Are you seeking the Lord to get His presence to come into the situation through fasting? Are you seeking Him? If so, you will find Him when you search for Him with your whole heart. And when He shows up, angels are deployed to do the bidding of the Lord. That's exciting to me. We're coming to a new level in this congregation. God is doing something in our midst. We have different ministers that come through here that are operating in the glory realm. They spend time in the presence of God. They would rather pray than eat or watch TV. And when they've been in the presence of God and they leave the presence of God like Moses did and they come down from the mountain where they've been with God for 40 days in prayer and fasting, they come and their faith face shines with the glory of God. You know they've been in His presence. And when they come from His presence, His presence comes with them. Moses says, if your presence goes with us, we will go. But if your presence doesn't go with us, what else will distinguish us from all the other people on the face of the earth? Except it be your presence. It's not whether you're black or white or Hispanic or Asian or Indian. It doesn't matter whether you're black, red, white or green. It doesn't matter whether you're tall, short, heavy or thin. It doesn't matter your socioeconomic standing or your job. What matters is whether or not you've got the presence of God. That's the only thing that makes a real difference in this world. And it's available unto every one of us. The question is, do you want it? Because if you want it, you can have it. Again, I'll repeat the verse because it's coming up out of my spirit. You will seek him and you will find him when you search for him with all your heart. You will seek Him and you will find Him. Amen. When you search for Him with all your heart. Amen. Ask and it will be given. Seek yes. and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Jesus yes. said, for all that ask, receive. All who seek will find and all who knock. Amen. The door will be opened yes. unto them. Now, we know that Jesus only spoke the truth. Yes. So when he said, ask and it will be given, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened, it wasn't just a fancy sermon. Amen. It was the truth. It was the word of the living God. And if it was, it is. Amen. The original Greek language on the word ask, seek, and knock is a present imperative tense which is a command to do something now with a constant, repeated action in the future. Simply said, the passage could be more aptly translated, ask 
and keep on asking, it will be given. Seek and keep on seeking, and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking. And keep on knocking. And keep on knocking like the importunate widow, who with her continual coming, lest she weary the judge, he avenged her of her adversary, even though he feared not God nor regarded man in Luke 18. How much more your heavenly Father will avenge you of your adversary if you continue to persevere Amen. and get into his Presence. face. Are you in his face? Are you in his presence? Do you see the difference? You can get up into somebody's face in a good way or a bad way. Yeah. Right? Right. God wants you in his presence, which is his face. Cain was driven from the presence of God. That means he was driven from the face of God. He no longer had an audience with God. Isn't it awesome that we can come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy and grace in the time of need because he has torn the temple curtain because he made the sacrifice for you and me with his own shed blood. The presence of God, the face of God, because the angels surround the throne of God. Angels are in his presence. And when you get in his presence, angels are there. If you went to the President of the United States, do you think you could get there without somebody being there present around him? You think you can get to God without the angels being present? The angels go around the throne of God, the six-winged seraphims, and they sing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with His glory. When angels show up because they carry the glory of God from the throne of God, the rules change. See, you can get things with word faith, and you can get healed. But when the glory shows up, you don't even have to pray anymore. When the glory shows up, there's no labor in prayer. Because you've already labored in prayer to get the glory. My friend, Tony, years ago, he would commonly have angels in his services. One angel, two angel, three angel, and one time he had a four angel service in the Dominican Republic. 120,000 people went out under the power in a glory wave. They came up healed, delivered, filled with the Holy Spirit. There were 660 pastors on the platform with him. And this is, and the Lord left him up to see it. And it was the most amazing thing he'd ever seen. He said, Lord, why did you leave me? I, you know, I'd love to get a touch fresh from the Lord too. The Lord said to him, I left you up so you could see it. The, he literally, he was on the platform, he was preaching, and the Lord took over the service. He's like, what do you do when Jesus shows up? But I've got to finish my third point, Lord. Before. You know, one of a greater authority showed up. You've got to hand the baton off. We were at a service uh, a couple of years ago, and I won't name the minister, but it was a healing service, and I would, they'd call pastors down, and angels were moving in the service, and while the preacher was preaching, people were getting healed out in the congregation, and demons were coming out, but he was preaching the gospel, and he didn't want people to be distracted, and you would hear these demons shriek and shrill. And, and people were getting up and laughing, and people were clapping in the back. There was several thousand people there, and he wasn't moved by any. several thousand people there, and he wasn't moved by any because that's commonplace in his ministry. And he wanted to preach the message, preach the message, preach the message. And people were lined up to testify of their healings that they'd experienced during the service while he was preaching. He hadn't even prayed for the sick, and eventually he did. People were lined up on the left and on the right. And they called pastors down to get prayed for. So I'm at the base of the platform, and I'm literally 15 feet away in this area from the platform, and the minister is there. And one person testifies about their healing. And he said, he just stopped while they were in the middle of their testimony. 
He says, that, that's, that's, that's good. He says, I don't want to diminish the testimony. He said, I, I apologize to, to the people that want to come up and testify about what the Lord has done in their lives. He says, we want to honor that. He says, but we're operating in a higher principle today. He says, the Lord himself is about to take the platform. He says, and I always give him first place. I was 15 feet away, 10 to 15 feet away. I mean, I was about 8 feet from the platform, and they were, they were back another 5 or 8 feet or whatever. But so I'm this close to see. And here's what happened. He says, get, get all these things off the platform. Get the podium off the platform. And he moved back toward the edge, and he, he stood back. And he said, Jesus has taken the pulpit. And he said, you ministers on the platform. He says, Go and stand and ask the Lord to touch you. Now, I watched this with my own eyes. I was there. I could feel the presence. Some of you were in that service, 2009. And a man would walk up, minister would walk up, and as he would get closer to that, that glory zone where the Lord, I couldn't see him physically with my eyes, but you could feel the presence billowing off. Peter's shadow. You may not have seen the shadow, but when you got into it, you got healed, and demons came out, and people were delivered, and creative miracles happened. They lined them up in the street so that Peter's shadow might touch some of them. I'll guarantee you angels were present because the presence of God was there. I bet angels were healing the sick and casting out demons. This day in 2009, I was there with my own eyes. And as a minister would come closer, all of a sudden his knees would begin to shake, and he would get weak fall backwards, fell forward on his knees, kneeled before the Lord, and he would begin to weep, and then he would fall sideways, and he got an impartation from Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the risen Savior, the Son of the living God, God in the flesh, came and touched them, and their lives were transformed. There was one minister, as he was coming up, he came and he walked around the area because there was something that he didn't want to connect with Jesus on. And as he went around to get off the platform on the other side, the minister stopped him. Bring him back, bring him back. And so they kind of pushed him back and he came around and he's like, no, no, he didn't. So I don't know what was going on in that guy's life, but there was something that hadn't yet been dealt with because when you get into the presence of God, he judges sin. You either get convicted of it and you judge yourself so you don't have to be judged, but he was a seasoned minister and scared to death to get into the presence of Jesus. Oh, he loved ministry. He loved the masses, loved the people, loved the position. Do you see the difference? Do you really want Jesus? Because when the light of the world shows up, he exposes all darkness. Have you ever been in a, uh, a fun house uh, uh, and, and you go in and when you walk in, there's different things going on and they've got a black light. And the black light, you walk into a room and you look and all of a sudden you've got all these things on your clothes, right? And you're like becoming self-conscious. You're like, oh my gosh. And they're all over the place. Dust particles and this and that glow under the black light. And What's amazing is you, you finally get to the point where you can't get them off and, and you move out of the black light and they disappear. So you think you're okay. But if you go back in, you see them again. And that's what prayer is like. The first thing God reveals to us in prayer, in his presence, is he reveals the things in our lives that aren't right. And one of the reasons, the main reason why people don't spend time in prayer is they don't like what they see first. They're going to pray a petition about some issue, about somebody else, and the first thing that God will show you in prayer is you. Because the black light, the light of the Holy Spirit shines on those things and reveals the very things that are hindering. And if we'll clean those things up through repentance with God, we'll get washed and cleaned by the blood of Jesus. And then we'll get some resurrection dunamis power to go out and do the works. Because you can't overcome in other people's lives what's not been overcome in your life. That's like the guy who writes the book on how to become a millionaire and he can't even afford to get the thing printed. Do <laughs> you really want to buy that guy's book? If he can't figure it out, why would you buy his? Amen or ouch. Okay. Praise the Lord. Well, here's what happened. 
people were falling out because Jesus was moving himself. And it was a different realm. And the service ended after about 20 ministers got touches from God. And the pastor asked a few of them, what, what happened when you were there? One guy, he came up. And I saw him, he fell. And I mean, literally, he, 10, 15 feet away. And I could see his face. While he fell on his knees, and he was a seasoned minister that loves the Lord. And as he fell and he was on his knees, I heard him looking and listening. He was in the vision, and he was talking back, and he was getting instructions. And all of a sudden, he fell sideways, and he was, he was out like a, a, a dead man. And a few minutes later, he came up. And they would have people, you know, kind of get close and, and drag them off, and the next would come. But uh, afterward, they asked him, what, 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 what did you experience? The love of God. I saw the love. And here's a seasoned minister. We got a new revelation of the love. And let me tell you what happens when a true impartation happens. When a true impartation happens, whether somebody lays hands on you, you get an angelic visitation, or Jesus appears like that with his angels, here's what happens. You go to a new level. It's never the same again. And you have authority over something that you didn't have authority over before. The last couple of months, I've been driving more into the presence of God. And I've been in the presence before. And I know Him and the power of His resurrection. But sometimes you slip out a little bit. And I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about just growing a little less hot. You can be in the fires of Pentecost today. But there's a price to stay in the fire and for the fire to stay in you. It's easier just to slip out a little bit and you're in the smoke, not the fire. But the only one that knows the difference is you. And then if you get on the other side of the smoke, you can't even see the fire anymore because the smoke's in the way. Doesn't matter where you're at. God wants to pull you through the smoke into the fire and get you on fire again. And aren't his ministering angels flames of fire? Goodness and mercy as angels shall follow you all your days. You'll dwell in the house, in the presence, in the face of God forever. We're not talking about the church house. We're talking about the house of God where his angels are at. Do you have access to his throne? And the answer is yes. Are you using your key to activate angels? Prayer, Matthew 26, 53, will bring the angels. The presence of God. Isaiah 63 and 9. Isaiah 63 and 9, and we'll look at that real quick. Praise the Lord. Is it good tonight? Yeah. yeah. In all their affliction, he was afflicted, and the angel of his presence saved them. Angels save people, don't they? And the angel of his presence saved them in his love and in his pity. He redeemed them and bared them and carried them all the days of old. Talking about the Israelites in the wilderness. He sent his angel of his presence. The angel that was in his presence had access and audience with God Almighty. He says, I'm going to send my angel to deliver the Israelites. Three million of them in the wilderness. Women and children. And he fed them with angels' food, Scripture says. 199 times angels are talked about in the Bible. Yet, we think they're talked about in the Bible. Yet, we think they're these little cupids. We misrepresent what angels are. They are powerful, mighty beings. I am Gabriel. I am Michael the Archangel. Not a little cupid. With little wings and a little belly on them. Think about that. Little belly angel. You got a little Twinkie problem, dude? You know? No, these are mighty beings. Praise the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. We need to get back to the Bible on angels. Do we worship angels? No, they're our fellow servants. Revelation chapter 19, verse 10. Revelation 19, verse 10. John the Apostle, who had seen the ministry of angels, he had seen Jesus operate with the ministry of angels, he had seen the Son of God raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, he saw the power of God. Yet he's in a vision in the book of Revelation on the Isle of Patmos, the man of God who's an 
apostle. He'd seen the dead raised through his own hands. And here he is persecuted. He's in a vision and an angel appears. And it's so overwhelming because of the presence of God on angels. He bows down to worship the angel. And the angel says, do not do it. For I am thy fellow servant. Worship God only. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. <coughs> did Jesus receive worship? Yep. He did in the Bible. She bowed down to worship him. He didn't stop him. Why is that? He's God in the flesh. Either that or he's not obeying his own word. He's either liar, lunatic, or Lord, but he gives you no option. You have to choose. But when angels are bowed down to worship, an angel from God won't allow it. I'm your fellow servant. When people bow down to worship, John... In the scriptures, Peter and John, I believe it was, when the miracle had happened, he says, do not do it. We're your fellow. Then they wanted to stone him, but that's another story. Okay, so if you receive worship, you're an heir. If you don't receive it, they'll stone you. Guess what? It's better to get stoned <laughs> and continue to stay in the presence of God. So we don't worship ministers, we thank God for them as vessels. We don't worship angels, we thank God for them as vessels. But we thank God for the ministers he sends to teach us under the anointing. We thank God for the angels he sends us under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to share this with you. The blood of Jesus cleanses you from sin. It's got to happen. Without it, we can't be cleansed. Right? The anointing will heal the sick and cast out devils. But the anointing is not the blood. They're different. One cleanses, the other delivers. And the glory is neither the anointing nor the blood. It's something different. Now, do they work together? Yes. These three work together as one. The blood cleanses, the anointing heals and delivers and set free. But the glory will do creative miracles. There are churches that have a revelation about the blood, and they will, John 3.16, you into the kingdom like nobody's business. And you'll be saved. Your name is in the Lamb's Book of Life. God bless our brothers and sisters that preach the gospel of salvation. But then there's another realm. There's more. Say there's more. There's, there's more. more. There's an outer courts, there's an inner court, and there's a holy of holies. There's a body, there's a soul, and there's a spirit. There's a father, there's a son, and there's a holy ghost. The blood will get you cleansed in the outer court. It's a teaching on spirit, soul, and body online. You can get it. I think there's video for free there. The blood will get you cleansed, but you'll remain in the outer courts. The anointing will catapult you in to understand the word, and you'll understand praise. But when you go in to the Holy of Holies, the most holy place, in the presence of in the face of God, where you have an audience, where deep calleth unto deep, at the noise of his water spouts, all his waves and billows of his presence go over you. That's the glory route. And anything is possible in the glory route. Turn with me to 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles 5. 2 Chronicles 5. Praise the Lord. We need the glory realm. We thank God for salvation. We all start there. We thank God for the anointing to heal the sick and to cast out devils. But let us go on unto perfection, not laying again a foundation of repentance and faith toward God and water baptisms and the laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead. And this we will do. Say, Lord, permit us. Second Chronicles 5. This is the realm where it's sweatless and effortless. When you get into the glory realm and you bring it back down to the earth, no demon can manifest and, and have victory. Let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. Psalm 68.1. When God shows up, 
His enemies are scattered. Why? His angels are with him. Do you dwell in the secret place of the Most High under the shadow of the Almighty? Angels are with you. Then you will say, a thousand fall by my side and ten thousand by my right hand. I will, it will not come near me. I will only see with my eyes and behold the destruction of the wicked. You ever see stories where Christians are persecuted in a certain area and they're kicked out of the area where the persecution and judgment come? Not that we want people to be judged, but they seem to come out unscathed and those that seem to be winning for a season fall after the smoke clears and the dust settles. You're like, ooh. It does pay to serve the Lord, doesn't it? Say it pays to serve the Lord. It pays to serve the Lord. Amen. Second Chronicles 5. And the Levites, verse 12, which were the singers, all of them, Asaph and Heman and Jeduthun, with their son, Jeduthun, there, I pronounced it right, and their sons and their brethren, at least I feel like I pronounced it, being arrayed in white linen, having cymbals and psalteries and harps, stood at the east of the altar with them 120 priests sounding with trumpets. Can you imagine 120 people with trumpets? Arrayed. You know, when a trumpet sounds, it gets people's attention, doesn't it? Do 120. Can you see the scene here? There's 120 priests with trumpets. Do you see how... My friend who talked about being on the platform with 660 pastors and 120,000 people in the Colosseum and 35,000 people outside couldn't even get in. The power of God hit them too. When the glory fell in the Dominican Republic, verse 13, and it came to pass even as the trumpeters and singers were as one. You see where unity? On the day of Pentecost, they were all together in one mind and one Accord. Doesn't mean they were in a Honda. They were in unity, right? And they were making one sound to be heard. You can have a different instrument than your friend, but when you're in concert, in one accord, it's unity before the Lord. Blessed, how great, how good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. Right? For there the Lord commands the blessing. The oil flows down the head, even down the beard of Aaron, and down the skirts, representing the body of Christ. When? When we're in unity, dwelling together. You know what's been great about our fellowship? Yeah. We've had such pristine unity here. Yes. Hasn't always been that way. But, you know, I like to say that when I was born again, I had angels wings until the backbiters bit them. <laughs> but you know what? We've got such unity amongst our group and cooperation. When we come in, it's a joy to be in fellowship. And that's where God commands His blessing. Life forevermore. And here we have it in verse 13. And it came to pass as the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. Praising and thanking the Lord. They're praising and thanking the Lord. They're worshiping and bringing the presence. God inhabits the praises of Israel, Psalms 22. And praise the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Then the house was filled with a cloud. The Shekinah glory showed up. Even the house of the Lord, verse 14, so that the priests could not stand. Oh, you mean they fell out under the power? Is that biblical? It is in my Bible. People say, oh, why do those people fall down? I don't know, why don't you go up there and get in the glory and find out? Or maybe you're like the minister who's avoiding and trying to walk off the platform on the other side. Are you running to the glory or are you running from it? Let me share something with you. When the glory starts to show up, there's a spirit that shows up to oppose it. Its name is Leviathan. And it tries to oppose the glory of God. And that's why miracle ministries have such attack and slander on them. 
I used to watch a minister on TV in prison when I was first learning about the anointing and the glory realm. And I would be watching that minister on TV, and people would come in and demons would just manifest out of their mouth. They would call him all kinds of names and say crazy things, call him fake and fraud and this and that, begin to curse and make sexual connotations and, and start to make vile statements. Any other preacher would be on TV, they wouldn't say anything. But when that guy showed up, I'm talking about people that had never even seen him before, didn't know who he was. And I thought to myself, Lord, what's going on? He showed me it's the glory that drives those things to the surface and those demons. Those demons come to the surface because they're threatened. What is it in people that when a man of God who walks in integrity and above reproach and is doing signs and wonders among the people, you can't find any fault in him, yet people want to slander him. There's something in them that is being driven to the surface to come against the man of God. Because they don't want to let go of what's in them. They like it. Right. Now, they may not like the consequences of their sickness or their torment in the night, but I'm going to tell you something. They like that more than repentance. <laughs> Be very careful what you say about a man or a woman of God who carries the glory on them. Yeah. Touch not the Lord's anointed, nor do his prophets no harm. If you don't understand it, ask the Lord to reveal it to you. Yeah. But still your tongue. Don't do the work of the enemy. When you operate in prayer, and you operate in praise and worship that brings the presence, angels come, and now you'll be in the presence of God where you can hear the voice of the Lord. And when you hear the voice of the Lord, you can now repeat out what he's spoken to you to repeat. And when you proclaim it into the earth, it releases angels to go fulfill that which has been spoken. <clears throat> Psalms 103.20 says, They hearken, the angels hearken unto the voice or the sound of his word. Now they don't hearken unto your word. <laughs> they don't do your bidding. What they do is they do the bidding of the Lord. When he gives you something to speak and you speak it out, they go take care of it. Do you see the difference? We don't command angels around unless we get a word from the Lord. I'll give you an illustration. If the president of the company said to me, David, I want you to go tell everybody this is the new change in policy and this is what we're going to do. And I went and I did that. I would have the authority of the president of the company. And I'm going in his name. And when I say it, they go out and do it, right? What if I don't talk to the president of the company? Well, we did this last week. I, you know, I think this is a good idea. Let me go tell them. The first thing they're going to say is, really? Did the president say that? Well, I mean, last week we did this, and I, yeah, but did the president say it? I would lack authority, and they wouldn't implement what I spoke. It's the same way angels don't respond when God didn't speak. You might say it, but they'll say, that doesn't sound like him in this situation. Do you see the difference? So they hearken unto the voice or the sound of his word, and they do his bidding. And if you'll agree with God in heaven on the earth and cooperate with him, the angels will cooperate with you. Because really they're cooperating with him. So proclamation, Psalms 103.20, they hearken unto the sound or the voice of his word. That's why you can be reading the Bible, reading the Bible, and speaking the word, speaking the word, speaking the word, nothing happens, all of a sudden something shifts. You come across a specific word, it highlights off the page, you speak that, it sounds different in your spirit. You're like, wait a second, that's God. You can be praying with somebody, and you'll be in the outer courts, and you'll be praying, oh, Holy Spirit, come, Holy Spirit, come, Lord, I pray over this situation, this and all of a sudden a word will come out of your mouth, you'll be like, uh-oh, and somebody will say, amen, that's the word of the Lord. And you'll follow that track. Then, You've got the word of the Lord. And then you proclaim it in the earth. And angels are released to go do the bidding of the Lord. To bring into manifestation that which you've spoken. Do you see the difference? Mm -hmm. See, some have misused this teaching. And they've done it to accomplish their will. And it's become soulish witchcraft. And then we've forsaken the truth of it where we get in the Holy of Holies, we cooperate with Him, we yield to Him, and He does it through us. If I speak anything from the pulpit that's of the Lord, you'll hear His voice within my voice. And not everything I say is of the Lord. Some of it's just of David. 
Some of it's kind of witty and funny. And some of it I get rebuked for afterward. <laughs> Tell the truth. I try to do better. But other times I'll be listening to a CD afterwards while I'm editing it. And I'll be caught up in the teaching. And I'll be learning. <laughs> because it's his voice within my voice. And I'm caught up editing something on video, and I've caught up for 10 minutes and it's a great teaching, and all of a sudden I'll say something really stupid, <laughs> and I'll shake myself and I'll be like, oh, that's you that's speaking. <laughs> so we don't take credit for things that he does through us. We thank God and we honor him. Yes. It's a gracious honor and a privilege to serve in his presence, in his face, in his audience, to have his attention, to hear what he has to say. Because he gives us the tongue, our pen is our tongue is the pen of a ready writer. And we speak those things which we have received as touching the king. We got them in his presence. And then we repeat them out. That's why we have the tongue of the learner, that we might know what to speak, to bring a word in season to him or her who's weary. It comes from being in the presence. So proclamation. And we're going to close out. Proclamation comes from Job. Turn with me, if you will, to Job, chapter 22. Job, chapter 22, verse 26. For then shalt thou have thy delight in the Almighty, and shall lift up your face unto God. Verse 27, Job 22, 27. Thou shalt make thy prayer unto him, and he shall hear you. When does he hear you? When you're in his presence and you're in his face, right? Now that's not the only time God hears you. He hears any prayer that lines up with his will. Because if we know, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, we have the petition we've asked of him. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. Thou shalt also decree a thing. When can you decree a thing? When can you proclaim it? After you've been in his presence. After you've got the mind of Christ on the matter. You've got the will of God. You've had an audience with him. Your tongue becomes the pen of a ready writer. That's when you can ask a thing. He hears you. Then you can decree it on earth that it might be done in earth as it is in heaven. And the angels will be released to execute the word that's been spoken. Thou shalt also decree a thing, you'll proclaim it, and it will be established unto you. And the light shall shine upon your what happens when you get the light path lighted? You see some stuff that need to be, right? And then you can walk, okay, good. You shall say, there is a lifting up, and he shall save the humble person. He shall deliver the island of the innocent, and it is delivered by the pureness of your hands. Do you know you can get things done with God for people that are ranked sinners because you're in his presence? Do you know... Uh, a couple of presidents ago, I won't name them, but there were some vile, reprobate people that got presidential pardons. Why? Because somebody had an audience with the president. It wasn't because of their connection, somebody that wasn't innocent went free. And there were sizable checks that had been donated to foundations in the process. They were buying people's freedom. And it was all in the news, and they quieted it down. They, did. they wanted to take away the president's executive authority to pardon people for that deal. Well, guess what? We can go before the throne of God, and the accuser of the brethren can accuse that person, your son or your daughter or your nephew or your cousin or your friend, and if you're right with God, you can get an audience with the King of kings and Lord of lords. And he'll declare them not guilty because of the pureness of your hands. Thank you, Father. And people will say, how did that happen? And the religious folks will be upset. Because the prodigal came home. And they'll be like, you didn't kill the fatted calf for me. Well, I haven't found the pig pen. He needs to start in the mail room again. Don't give him that Amex black card. They'll get angry when grace is released. But you'll know how to petition. Two, th two ministries go on before the throne of God day and night. The ministry of intercession. Jesus forever lives to make intercession. And is able to save to the uttermost those that come to God by him. Hebrews 7.25 And then there's the ministry of the accuser of the brethren. The accuser of the brethren, Satan, that old serpent that accused the saints of God before the throne of God day and night is cast down. Which ministry are you in? 
I can tell you by your prayer life. Are you an intercessor? You're filled with Jesus. Are you an accuser? You're filled with the devil and you need to repent. The black light is upon you. In this case, the white light. Here's the amplified version of Job 22, verses 26 through 30. Then you will have delight in the Almighty and you will lift up your face to God. You will make your prayer unto Him and He will hear you and you will pay your vows. You shall also decide and decree a thing. When can you decide and decree a thing? When you're in the presence of God, you're in the face of God, when He hears you and you've paid your vows. You shall also decide and decree a thing and it shall be established for you and the light of God's favor shall shine upon your ways. When they make you low, you will say there is a lifting up. And the humble person he lifts up and says, verse 30, amplified version, Job 22, 30. He will even deliver the one for whom you intercede who is not innocent. Yes, he will be delivered through the cleanness of your hands. Does that encourage you to get into the yeah. presence of God? Does that encourage you to pray? Does it encourage you to begin to make proclamations? And I'm going to encourage you tonight as we move into the fourth component. As next week comes and the man of God comes and he's good soil that goes into the nations. To make some sort of a vow between you and the Lord. I'm not talking about a foolish one. I'm talking about one the Lord tells you to do. And it will also help release the ministry of angels into your life and the lives of your loved ones. And if you're watching on video, you can make a vow online and donate. Do whatever. You, you can do it at your church. Whatever you feel led to do, ask the Lord. It will release something in the heavenlies. You can't buy a miracle from God, but you can make a vow and pay it, and now you have authority to decree a thing in the earth. God is not moved by your seed sown unless it moves you. Say mm -hmm. yeah. huh. long. Pause for reflection. If it doesn't move you, why would it move God? Give you an illustration, the rich man gave out of his riches, the wealthy man gave out of his wealth, but the woman gave out of her poverty. She gave two pennies and moved God. See, God's not moved by how much you give. He's moved by how much you have left over after you give. Okay. <laughs> Pain vows, generous giving. Job 20, Ecclesiastes 5. We're closing. We could go on this all night long. There's so much to this message. We're just scratching the surface, but you're like good Bereans in this group. I praise God for that. You receive with readiness of mind the things that the Apostle Paul taught, and then you go home and search the scriptures to see if they're so. Search the scriptures. Receive with readiness of mind, and then go home and search the scriptures to see if these things are so. And if they are, don't just be a hearer of the word, James says. Deceiving your own selves, but do what it says. The Nike commercial came from Jesus. Just do it. <laughs> Go into all the world. Just do it. I'm giving you the swoosh stripe of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Run with swiftness. My angels are with you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Is this fun? Yes. Okay. When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Better is it that thou shouldest not vow than thou shouldest vow and not pay. Suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin, neither say thou before the angel that it was an error, therefore God should be angry. Wherefore should God be angry at my voice and destroy the work of my hands? You see how the angels are tied in with vows again? I can go scripture after scripture and show you. When we vow a vow, it releases angels. And here's what happens. When you vow a vow, the minute you vow the vow, an angel is released to do something. The minute you complete the vow, the angel is released again to complete something else. I've vowed vows in services, and I've vowed to give a certain amount each month to a ministry for a year. And when I did it, something was released into my life right then. And then when I completed that vow, came up on the one year, like a monthly donation or whatever, and I supported that ministry as they went to go preach the gospel to the nations. And I partnered with God and with that ministry and won souls, even though I stayed behind, they went. Because there's three types of people. The goers, the senders, 
and the disobedient. Okay, so, <laughs> praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. So, so here's the thing. When you, when you make that vow, you write it down. You make it in your heart. Boom. Immediately God answers the prayer on a scriptural basis. Hannah made a vow. If you give me a son, I'll consecrate him unto you. Boom. She gets pregnant. Mm -hmm. She consecrates him. She has to give the child up. And what happens? He becomes Samuel the prophet. And none of his words fell to the ground. When you make a vow, God answers. And when you complete the vow, he answers again in a different way. And I got news for you. What's in your hand is something he already gave you. And what's in his hand is something he wants to give you. But he won't give to you until you give to him what he's already given you. And if you don't have what you sense he's asking you to give, ask him to put it in your hand that you can give it. And he will. You know why? He gives seed to the sower. Ministry of angels, part two. Four ways we can activate angels. Prayer, the presence of God, proclamation into the earth, and pain vows. And when we do any one of those things, it releases a level of the angelic in our life. When we do two, it increases the level. When we do three, it increases the level even more. And when we do all four, angelic activity begins to swarm on our lives. And when we go to pray for the sick, we can feel a heat on our arm where an angel is with us. And miracles start to happen commonplace. And you want to know what happens when you're operating in the ministry of angels? It's easy to stay away from sin. You know why? You're so caught up on the face of God. How can you look at anything else? Fix your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. On the things of this earth shall grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. It's okay, let's play something. Let us stand. Fix your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. make a vow to do $25 a month for Bibles to prisoners and you can help change lives one Bible at a time. Might cost you some Starbucks coffee a couple of times a week. If you say you don't have it, give it to God. Give your caffeine and the joy of the Lord will be your strength. Some of you already do that, so you can increase it. And, and I'm going to share something with you. When